Welcome to Ask Me About K-Pop, the essential guide for recent conference and season fans alike. My name is Shannon. And I'm Angelica. And welcome to a very special new type of Ask Me About K-Pop episode. Woo! I can't believe it. We found a new thing to do. I know. You guys know we love our like segments and themes. So here's a new one for you. Here's a new one. And this is officially the most researched episode of Ask Me About K-Pop. <laughs> It took me literal weeks to put this together, mm-hmm. um, so I will be sharing all of my research linked in the episode <laughs> description because I didn't do this for nothing. You will look upon this you spreadsheet. <laughs> um, but today, I thought that we could try a new thing where we do deep dives into groups, for sure. That's an important part of studying K-pop. But I thought it would be fun to start doing deep dives into producers and the people who make the K-pop music. Yes, especially if you've listened to our deep dives, you know that we always point out when artists play a hand in their own music, but you'll also notice that it's not very often. So who else is making the music? That's what we're here to find out. That's what we're here to find out. And so for our very first producer deep dive, I thought we would go to the wheelhouse of what we know as tried and true SM stands, (laughs) I wanted to look into the career of SM's writing darling, Kenzie, who has been writing for SM Entertainment for over 20 years. Wow. And is responsible for what I think is the SM sound that we all know and love. So I just wanted to um, look into that. And uh, figure out what Kenzie has brought us. Yeah, today. what is what is the magic that Kenzie brings to SM? Yes, it's definitely what brought us to SM. Mm-hmm. I think we can we can lay that blame fully on Kenzie for sure. <laughs> um, so since this is a really big career, and like I said, I made a huge spreadsheet. I really tried to study her whole discography to give you guys a picture of who she is as a producer. Um, So we definitely won't be able to talk about everything she's ever written, even a little bit. So I'm going to do my best to give you a picture of Kenzie today. And you will have the supplemental texts of this masterpiece spreadsheet for your own perusal if you would like to dive even deeper than we're about to go. And Shannon has been working so hard, like she said, for actual weeks. So she is going to take it away and tell us everything we need to know about Kenzie. Yes. So to start out, like any other deep dive, here are some fast facts about Kenzie. And there aren't a lot because producers, unlike idols, are not forward-facing people very Mm -hmm. often. I think if we ever cover like the Brave Brothers or Bang PD, it will be different because those are people that maybe put themselves out there more. But there are literally two pictures of Kenzie on the internet. (laughs) And like I found a single interview that she Mm -hmm. did with her college over 10 years ago. And that's like all her, that and the data is what I've got to go off of. Um, So Kenzie's real name is Kim Yeon Jung. And she was born February 3rd, 1976. And Kenzie went to the US in the 90s to study at Berkeley College of Music. And she said that she made it her goal while studying in college. She was aware of how popular HOT was back home. 
and she made it her goal to work for SM Entertainment because she thought that, like, that's the place I need to be. Sure. Um, and she says, in quotes, that she was given a golden opportunity by Lee Suman in 1999 as soon as she graduated. I'll get into that more later. But I think she signed her life away to Lisa Mann. <laughs> we only have theories about the specifics of that golden opportunity. Sure. <laughs> um, but Kenzie plays piano and trumpet, two things that I think are very apparent in her music. There's yeah. piano and horns are a, like a theme that come up a lot. Um, so I think you can hear that classical training and we'll get into that more. But for credits wise... Kenzie has on my discography spreadsheet 163 songwriting credits. There may be other lyric only credits that I missed, but that's what I've got 163, and 30 of those were top 10 singles. Damn. Yes, that is a career. Yeah. And if you've been listening to our show for a while, Kenzie should be a name that you're probably pretty familiar with because we bring it up all the time. Like, this is a Kenzie song. Or like, oh, there's a Kenzie song in this album. Or like, surprise, surprise, it was a Kenzie song. Yes. So now we get to really dive in. It's exciting. Um, and I found this quote from Kenzie who was explained when in this interview with her college explaining her job as a K-pop producer. And she said... K-pop songs need singers that look perfect, like they just popped out of cartoons, thereby maximizing their visual point and performance. So to further maximize the visual point, the beat and sounds are oriented to help create good choreography. Mm. So that's a quote from Kenzie herself explaining that like the K-pop of it all, the dancing, the visual yeah. is something she thinks about when yeah. creating songs that's like the driving force i guess when she's when she's songwriting she has to think about the whole package and that that's interesting that that's kind of her like internal motivation i think that you can definitely see that in the songs that she creates where like there are not a lot of songs that i think don't necessarily there actually that's not true she has 163 songs and there are like ballads of plenty and like beautiful songs that don't necessarily need choreo but especially thinking about like the title tracks and stuff mm -hmm. that she makes and those like top 10 singles that she has you can tell that she was thinking about the whole picture for sure um so let's try to get into kenzie's timeline and i tried to separate this into sort of eras that okay. i was seeing cool um, but to start off, Kenzie's first published song came out on September 3rd, 2002, and it was called The Sign, as performed by Isaac and Gion. Now, Isaac and Gion, I had to write this down because I had never heard of them before, uh, but they were a duo that debuted in 2002 as, quote, the female fly to the sky. Oh, I see. Isaac, mm, like, mm. and, and Gion. Gotcha. Yeah, no Isaac idea. and Gion. Um, and fun fact, Isaac is German. Her oh. name is Ida Dean Simmons, but she goes by the Korean name Kim Isaac and has continued her career in Korea as a DJ um, when Isaac and Gion disbanded a few years after they debuted. Um, but Kenzie composed this song entirely by herself and we'll get into it more, but her early career was truly by herself. Um, and it was one of 12 songs on their debut album. So that was her start with this little R&B ballad 
debut of Isaac and Gian. Interesting. Um, other things that, so that was 2002 and the only credit she had. In 2003, she has a couple of credits, but I think the most important thing to note is that she wrote Milky Way by mm. Boa. Um, this is a perfect, perfect bubblegum pop song, and I have it on my list of like quintessential Kenzie songs mm. because I think it like really captures captures her spirit and <laughs> really fun. I think Milky Way is such a perfect song. It is. This is the one that Red Velvet covered for Boa's yes. 20th, right? Yeah. That is such a, um, it definitely captures the like era of 2003 girl group music, I think, which, and it was a soloist song. It was Boa's, but, um, it has that like, yeah, bubblegum feel for sure. Yes. And then in 2004, Kenzie got her first number one, which was my name. By Boa. Um, and this song like features the like strings that I was talking about as being like very part of her uh of work. <laughs> her MO. Yes, but I will say that I think my name I struggle with giving my name any credit because it truly is written on top of it's Gimme More by Britney Spears. Like it's not, oh, it is like, that's what it is. Um, and so, but she got a number, it was a number one and that's worth noting. But I do feel like this, er the early Kenzie stuff in the same way that we've talked about all early K-pop is pretty derivative. Mm. It's like using the exact same loops and samples yeah of like Western pop at the time. And it's not exactly like stepping out of any kind of box. It was it's not really, rewriting the yeah. genre in any way. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, I mean, you could argue that it, it like at this point, because a lot of the K-pop is so derivative, it's like not a genre in and of itself yet. Mm -hmm. Because now I think like today with a lot of, like we always struggle to sometimes categorize like certain songs or like describe certain songs in other genres because you get to a point where it's like it's just k-pop yes. like it is a k-pop song and at this point i think we don't have those like specifically k-pop songs yeah, yeah that distinctive formula for Not sure yet. for sure um but then in 2005 she had two number ones which were moto by boa and boa has a credit as writing moto with kenzie and that's the first time on the timeline that anyone helped her <laughs> with anything um she usually wrote entirely by herself up to this point and then the other number one i'd never heard before it's a duo of tvxq and super junior and oh. the song is called show me your love and it's just a very bubblegummy song and i was Super, I was like, how did this get number one? And it came out like two days before Christmas. So it might've just been uh, a timing yeah. issue. Sure. But still, number one's on Hunter Kenzie's belt. And then when we get into 2006, I wanted to take a minute to talk about something that uh, is very interesting to me, which is SM Town albums. Mm. And from 2003 to 2006, Kenzie wrote three different songs for... SM Town, which was whatever combination of people they had at the time. Yeah. They would just combine them all and put out these like seasonal songs. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm gonna play a clip of one right now that I really enjoyed. It's called Red Sun. That was from the 2006 SM Town Summer. This song features Boa, Kangta, TVXQ, The Grace, and Super Junior. Um, and it just has this very soaring choral harmony and that rich harmony I feel like is what Kenzie brings to SM. Like all of her songs feature just that really like harmony through the whole chorus. Mm -hmm. Like we're a whole choir, like we are a bunch of people yeah. and we're all singing at the same time. Yeah, I wonder if her, because obviously we're going to talk a little bit about uh once we start theorizing about that golden <laughs> opportunity, we're going to talk a little bit about like Kenzie's role in SM, but they're such a vocal heavy company. Like they can like, I think you can, I don't think people will argue against me when I say <laughs> that SM puts vocals before anything else. Sure. Um, aside from maybe, maybe looks. like looks. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally going to say aside from like the perfect image vocals come second. Um, fair enough. Vocals come second. Uh, but that is like, I think obviously they take some people and they're like, we're going to make you a singer and it's fine. But all of their groups are like filled out with these like major vocalists. So I wonder I wonder like chicken and egg scenario, right. which came first because Kenzie has that classical training to really take advantage of those choral vocals yeah. and like to like fill out with all of the harmonies or was it kind of like, I, maybe it was just a, a combination of the two, of like the two they, things. They yeah. sort of grew out of it together. Um, but regardless, it was a magical combination, I think, because yes. she really knows how to get the most out of all of those vocalists. I totally agree. And all of these SM Town music videos, again, linked in the episode description, I made a playlist <laughs> of every single song on my on my spreadsheet. 163. And, <laughs> and all of these SM Town music videos, which I feel like might deserve some kind of deep dive of their own someday because yeah. they are, I don't want to say shocking because that's too much, but they just they feel like an era of K-pop that will never come back. Mm. Cause there's like some of these summer music videos. There's one that takes place like at a water park and all of the boys and all of the girls are all like swimming and they're like tackling each other. And they're all like touching in bathing suits and like pushing wow. each other. And like everybody is just like having a good SM town Scandalous. Yes, but looking at it, it feels scandalous. And I don't know how it feels scandalous. Because people would never do that now. No. Like, manor hands exist. Like, TVXQ was literally like picking up the Grace members and like body slamming them in a pool. Wow. Like, it's really wild. Yeah, we definitely are going to need to do a little a little mini dive into SM Town because we've talked about SM Town before and all of its different iterations. There's SM Town, the performance, SM Town, the ballad, and then, of course, the concerts where they have certain, like, the grace, you know, bless their hearts, only ever performed at, like, the SM, SM Town, Town performances. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to... We'll have to check that out in, in some more depth later. Yes, but it, I felt like it needed to be called out as yeah. a part of Kenzie's career. Um, so this next chunk of time, I have deemed the Kim Jong-bae era. 
That made me do a double take because Kim Jong-bae is what I call Kim Jong-dae, <laughs> a.k.a. Chen <laughs> from EXO. <laughs> yes. And I saw this in, your, in the Google Doc and I was like, Kim Jong-bae? <laughs> like, excuse? <laughs> but it's not him. It's a different no, guy. No, it's not him. It's a different guy who is a guitarist and a music producer born in 1973. Um, the first song that Kim Jong-bae and Kenzie did together was a TVXQ song called Phantom that was released in 2006. And then for the next many years, Kim Jong-bae was Kenzie's lyricist. Mm. Like she wrote all the songs and he wrote the lyrics. Cool. They did so many songs together. Um, but he was a lyric only credit until, and here is the moment that must be discussed. Kim Jong-bae and a guy named Andrew Choi and Kenzie got together and wrote Why So Serious for the shiny 2013 Misconceptions of Me album. And I just thought this was interesting because Kenzie, while writing most of our favorite songs, also wrote the only two SM songs that we hate. Which are yeah. Why So Serious and Wolf by EXO. These were Kenzie projects. <laughs> that is so crazy. You know, it's it, it's so weird that she wrote those because we do, and I would argue that those two songs are very different from the rest of her discography. We'll talk specifically about like why, like what <laughs> makes those songs to us so difficult to hear. But at the same time, those are two very popular SM songs. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Shawls do really like Why So Serious. Like we, I think, are in the minority, minority yeah. of not liking it. And a lot of XOLs like Wolf too. Sure. Um, at least, you know, if they don't if they don't think it's a good song, then they at least acknowledge the like importance of it or whatever. Sure. Whereas you and I are just like, fuck it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so it's like part of me is like they have to be Kenzie songs because they're so important in the like SM discography and Kenzie is like the center of the SM yes. discography. So on the one hand, it like they have to be Kenzie's, but on the other hand, it's like Kenzie, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> what happened here, Kenzie? We got loud. <laughs> we got a little, um, we got noisy. Mm-hmm. And we got real Frankenstein-y with Why So Serious. The Frankenstein-iness of Why So Serious is interesting to me because mm -hmm. Kim Jong-bae is a guitarist, I was told, according mm. to his Wikipedia. There Korean is Wikipedia heavy page. guitar there are in that heavy song. guitars in that song. And this Andrew Che person who shows up again later. I don't mm. know where he came from. But that was the only time up until then that Kim Jong-bae ever contributed in any way that wasn't just the lyrics was why so serious mm. so i do think it might have been his guitar that it might be his guitar that's All doing right. the guitar parts interesting it's very interesting um we can blame place the blame squarely on his shoulders no, i'm just kidding <laughs> maybe we have theories now we have theories. interesting keep uh, an eye on this andrew person yeah Maybe he's the real, the real, the real thorn. <laughs> um, but like in 2007, a really big deal to remember for history in 2007, Kim Jong-bae and Kenzie wrote Into the New World wow. for Girls' Generation. Mm -hmm. Which only got to 10 at the time, but as we've noted before, 
became has since yeah a much more important song than the moment that it came from so that's a really cool thing that she has Mm. on her list yeah and i i do think it's also worth noting that kenzie i think up until this point, maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but has written mostly B-sides, like has not written a lot of title Yeah, tracks. I think other than like Boa, like the Boa ones. A few ones, Boa songs I think she was like titles. fully responsible for Boa title tracks, it felt like. But the rest mm. of them were like SM Towns or like yeah. deeper on the, I think this, there's a The Grace song in 2007 was, that was the single. Mm. But um, then like we've got a lot of like TVXQ and Super Junior like B-sides, I think. Yes, for mm. sure, for sure. Um, and then in 2008, what's fun in 2008? Um, oh, Kenzie wrote the Super Junior Happy mm. debut song. So there, that's a trot credit on this list that that's doesn't fun. exist otherwise, which is fun. Um, and then I also noticed that uh, Kenzie wrote Shiny's Grays from the Shiny World, and Mino has a credit on that, so I got to write him on my spreadsheet nice. as a collaborator, which is fun. Yeah, we've mentioned before, but SM usually makes their rappers write their own lyrics, so that's why a lot of the rappers and groups will have a lot of song credits. Yes. Um, 2009, we've got some fun stuff, but I think the most interesting thing is in 2009, Kenzie wrote FX's La Chata all by herself Amazing. and she said in that interview that that is one of the songs she is most proud of oh, as of 2013 she was still most proud of La Chata um, and then an interesting thing that is written in here is that uh, Super Junior M Kenzie wrote a song for Super mm. Junior M but this was the first time since 1999 that someone else helped with the music there were two other people credited on the super junior m song so like up until this point she was working by herself or with kim jong bae and then in 2009 one song with somebody else so just to note she was an independent Mm. lady (laughs) making her own music by herself which Mm. i think is neat um and then let's see, 2000, I just said 2009, that was like La Cha Cha. Oh my God. Also, I just have to point out, Shiny's JoJo came out in 2009, and that's a Kenzie. That's, that's a, Kenzie a quintessential song. Yes. Kenzie song. That was number one on my list of B-sides, which we'll like talk about later. But I, I had that one of like on like songs that didn't make it into the top ten, but were fucking bops. Yes. <laughs> JoJo is one of them. It's so good. Yeah. And I feel like that's also I was listening to it today and I was like, this is such a perfect like time capsule, I think, of like 2009 mm-hmm. K-pop. Um, so if you've never heard JoJo by Shiny, check it out. Because that has like just enough cheeky auto auto tune in it, but uh-huh. just a little bit on certain lines for like emphasis. Yeah. And then it has that rich choral harmony Huge for the whole harmonies. harmonies. For the whole chorus, which I yeah. love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Um, 2010 started off good for Kenzie because in January she wrote Oh by Girls Generation, which went to number one. That's a banger, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Two, I mean, the thing is, I'm looking at this massive spreadsheet and just trying to think of what to call out for you guys because all of these years have <laughs> many songs in them and I'm like, what is important? I'm not even sure because it's all important to me. Um, 
2011 number one, FX is Danger. But again, this is the time where there are five other people credited mm. on that song as well. So we're moving into an era where we're going to get less Kenzie writing entirely by herself is what yeah. I've noticed. Um, yeah, there's two songs in 2011, Danger and Shiny's Stranger. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, <laughs> they both have other composers listed, it seems like. Um, oh, no, this is just lyrics. Yeah, just the Japanese lyrics and, or just oh, lyrics. Oh, I see. And, I was know. confused by the color coding. Oh, excuse me. I gotcha. Excuse I gotcha. Me. I gotcha. Sorry. So just the one, just the one. I take that back. But that is a great song. I love Stranger. And I also liked that uh, that Girls' Generation Oscar song was on because now I always think of when we played yes, that game we played it. and we were like, oh, right, like an Oscar, like, a, <laughs> like an award. Not like, <laughs> like a we, guy named Like Oscar. we live in L.A. and we know what the Oscars, what the Oscars are. <laughs> but yes, yeah. Um, let's see, 2012. Uh, we've got the To the Beautiful You soundtrack in 2012. Mm. Kenzie wrote Jessica and Crystal's Butterfly as well as Closer by Taeyeon. And I haven't said this on the podcast yet, so I guess I'll just plug it now. But a you song, friend of the podcast and I, and you song and I <laughs> have been doing music streams on his Twitch channel. We're doing one this weekend. If you're listening to the show the day it comes out. Um, and I did a cover of Closer by Taeyeon and, and Yusong played the piano so beautifully. And it's on our YouTube channel if you want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Just have to plug that because I love that song. It is a perfect, beautiful piano ballad. It is really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that whole soundtrack that to that show was like an SM party. It was fun. Um, yeah, she also, she's got the Girls' Generation TTS, so she's, oh, yeah. she gets to, um, have fun with the subunits, it seems, because she was able to do Super Junior Happy, too. Yes. Um, 2013, that's where, why, when Why So Serious comes in, like we said, mm -hmm. so Kim Jong-bae helped with the music. Um, oh, Kim Jong-bae also helped with the music of EXO's Baby. Mm, I love that song. Which is interesting. Um, oh, Andrew Che also wrote Queen of New York. So maybe <gasps> okay, he's I, not I that. don't, I, I take my side eyes away from you, Andrew Che. I love that song. Thank you for Queen of New York. Yes. Um, but there's a couple of disco songs in 2013. We'll talk about them later. Um, but I just thought that was interesting because if you're looking at my spreadsheet, I tried to color code genres or whatever to see <laughs> if I could find patterns. And up until this point, Kenzie had been writing mostly like bubblegum, ballads, electronic music. Um, but like there's some disco songs in 2013. Mm. We're starting to play around with genres, a little EDM, a little interesting stuff. Yeah, but the EDM was Wolf, so that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, but then in 2014, uh, Kim Jong-bae and Kenzie wrote a song on the TVXQ album Tense that's called Your Man, and that is the last thing that they ever did together. Mm. And I checked his Korean Wikipedia, and he does not seem to have worked after that. So I don't know if he retired. I don't know if he changed his name. I don't know, but oh. no more Kim Jong-bae after this TVXQ song. Interesting. 
He does not appear to have passed on or anything. I checked. Yeah. But yeah, no, no more huh. Kim Jong Bae after this. So I don't know if they had a falling out. I can only conjecture. But I'm yeah. just saying they wrote like 60 songs together, and then after this, never again. Wow. I would love. I mean, I could throw some wild speculations <laughs> out, but I would love to know know the dirt because I also wonder. Like, obviously, they had a partnership like as she was the composer and he was the lyricist but as we've mentioned several times right she's got this golden opportunity from sm and she clearly has a contract in which she's being well taken care of and so i i wouldn't doubt that if there did come to a disagreement like she would have been protected over him so that's that's interesting we will, I will never know. We'll never know <laughs> unless they tell us. But Unless someday we get I, Kenzie on the phone. Yeah, all I have is my data to go off of. <laughs> and that's what I saw. Um, but the rest of 2014, lots of hits for Kenzie. Uh, EXO's Overdose went to number one. FX Red Light went to number two. Um, other songs on that FX album charted. And as well as Kyuhyun Hyun from Super Junior, uh, his ballad at Gwanghamyeon also went to number two that year. Um, so 2014 was good on the Kenzie discography. Mm -hmm. So moving from 2015 on, this is the era that I have dubbed Kenzie maintains the SM sound. <laughs> because from here on out, the songs that Kenzie is writing all by herself become very few and far between, whereas these first like 10 years... She was mostly writing by herself and with Kim Jong-bae to do the mm -hmm. lyrics. But from here on out, it's like nine to 12 people on every song, yeah. including Kenzie. So I conjecture that I think she was there to maintain the mm -hmm. SM song sound that she had established in the previous years while SM wanted to contract writers from around the world. Yeah but keep it sounding like their music. So I think that's what she was there for. Yeah, so almost like maybe she moved from being a songwriter in the like pool to being like a supervisor or yes. like to being like a, you know, the head of the songwriting department. And so now she's someone who all the songs have to pass through her and she has to, you know, say like, yes, no, yes, whatever. Right. Change that, fix Change this, that, it's not right. Et cetera. For sure. Um, so there, she gets much more prolific. There are way more songs in every year from this point. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of like huge hits and great stuff to talk about. Like, where do I even start? 2015, we've got Shiny Love Sick. Mm -hmm. That's a Kenzie thing. We've got um, oh, Shiny Savior. Super Junior Devil. Oh my God, Super Junior Devil. Yes, mm -hmm. Kenzie. Um, Exo Sing For You. That's like a ballad that everybody loves. Yes, very true. Very true. That is a loved ballad. Um, and then in 2016, I think the biggest thing, and I wanted to talk about this for a moment, is in 2016, Kenzie and LDN, LDN Noise wrote monster mm. for exo you can call me monster i'm perfect in your heart 
this was the first time on my spreadsheet that I had to just mark a song's genre as K-pop because I didn't know how else to possibly describe it. Like, I feel like this was a moment where it was like, there's no other way to describe this music. Sure. It's just K-pop. Because what what is Monster? It's just a K-pop song. Mm -hmm. But it has those, like, those super rich harmonies on the creeping in your heart, babe. Yeah. That's Kenzie. I know LDN Noise didn't do that. Kenzie did that. (laughs) I know it. I just know it. Yeah. Well, I think Kenzie has, like, she creates songs that, like, leave space for all of those crazy ad libs mm. and those like you can come in monster mm-hmm. like all <laughs> yes. those like parts where like Becky and Chen can just go wild and like you know Tiffany and Jessica can battle it out and like letting Jung just like dance all over it like she sort of builds the space for them to like take off yes but I do think that Kenzie and Eldia Noise get along well because mm. they have written seven songs together since then okay. including Shiny's Shift. They also wrote Forever by EXO. Um, They wrote an NCT song really recently, I think, or something like that. Um, But yeah, (laughs) she likes, she works with LDN Noise sometimes. Nonstop is the NCT song. There it is. There it is. I knew it was something. (laughs) Um, So they have a good partnership. And then let's see, 2017... We've got another number one, Red Flavor by Red Velvet. Also one that you, that you, I almost said genre, genreized. <laughs> that I <laughs> that generalized, you genreized as K-pop, uh, which I think is fair. That is definitely a K-pop song. But oh my God, like the B-sides on this song, Hello, All Night Girls Generation. Uh, not a B-side, but Peekaboo, Red Velvet. Yes. Uh, what You Do, EXO, Forever EXO, Lonely Night, Taeyeon, um, Don't Say No, Sohyun. Yeah. There's a title track. That's a title track. Amazing. Yeah, great these are, stuff. These are bops. Great stuff. Uh, I'll note it because it was one of our B-side recommendations in the BOA episode. Uh, BOA's Spring Rain was written entirely by Kenzie all by herself. No help. Mm. <laughs> is that the first non-SM Yes, artist? it is. It is. Do I spy? Yes. With my little eye. So an interesting thing that happens in 2017, and I'll get into it in a second because it becomes most apparent in 2019, mm. but Gain from the Brown Eyed Girls sang a song called Kiss or Kill on the Missing Nine OST. I guess that was a drama. And Kenzie wrote that song all by herself. And that is the first thing on this entire list in 17 years where she did not write for an SM artist. I don't know how this one slipped through because the others come later and they start coming hard and fast. So Mm. I don't know. This was just a deal she made by herself on the side. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's the first SM person on the list in years and years and years is an OST with Guy and from the Brown Eyed Girls. I almost wonder if that was something that like maybe she wrote that song for the OST and maybe they had originally planned to have an SM artist sing it. Oh, maybe. And then they, and then like, it got switched and it, it became Gaian. Possibly. That seem, otherwise, it just seems odd. Yeah, it just doesn't. It's like a it weird just doesn't outlier. Fit. Yeah. It just doesn't fit. Interesting. 
So then in 2018, there are no songs on the list that Kenzie wrote by herself. Mm. So like all collabies, but there's some really good stuff. Some XOCBS, Taeon and Lucas all night long is a Kenzie <laughs> song, which I love. Lo Siento by Super yeah. Junior and Leslie Grace. Kenzie had a hand in. Um, and her number one for 2018 is Power Up by Red Velvet. Nice. There's a lot of really good uh, songs in this year. I mean, you've got All Day, All Night, Shiny. You've got, uh, oh, she wrote Our Page for Shiny as well. She wrote 24-7 from EXO, One of Those Nights, Key, Really Bad Boy, Red Velvet. That's a great song. Yeah, Onu's Blue mm. is a Kenzie She's, piano okay. ballad. She's got a couple of titles on this year. Yeah, so good stuff. But now that we get into 2019, so this is where my golden opportunity conjecture comes in. <laughs> because if we were told that in 1999, she was offered a golden opportunity in quotes. And then we see on this, straight up on this data, that she only writes for SM for 20 years. And then in 2019, she's suddenly writing for other groups. Mm -hmm. That tells me that they locked her in exclusive yeah. for those 20 years. For sure. And I wonder, too, if part of the golden opportunity... I mean, that to me, that theory sounds... I like I have no questions or qualms about that. Like, but I almost wonder if a big part of the the golden opportunity was the fact that she got to write by herself because mm. so much uh, there is like a distinct, like you said, a distinct line. There is an era of where she writes all by herself, and then now she starts to make collaborations. And maybe part of it was like the first ten years of your contract. Maybe she had a lot of freedom to create the kind of music she wanted to create mm -hmm. with like maybe very little oversight or very little like say from other people. Sure. Um, because there is definitely like that seems to be like a stipulation that was like written into it of like, mm -hmm. okay, but I get to write alone. Like, yeah. I, or I get to choose who I work with. And so that's why she chose Kim Jong-bae sure. until that like partnership no longer, she didn't want to be a part of it anymore or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It definitely seems like she was able to, like they locked her in, but she clearly got quite a good deal in yeah. the sense of like, she had so much creative freedom and she was able to write for a lot of different artists too, in right. the sense of like, you know, obviously they're all SM, but she's not just writing for shiny. She's not just writing for girls generation. She gets to write for everybody. Yeah. And she even gets to write like the more, not necessarily more fun, but like, the fun collaboration SM town songs where it's like, Oh, now I can write a song that's going to be sung by boys and girls. Right. Like how is that going to change the sound that I want to work into it? Um, so she definitely seems to, I like get why she described it as a golden opportunity. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But in 2019, her first credit, uh, she wrote a song on the six or sorry, they are called CIX. I should know that. On the <laughs> oh, CIX. 
album hello chapter one she wrote a reggae song that's called like it that way oh i was just gonna say is this the first time reggae is on this list it's yes i think so i think so um but cix which is like a totally not sm thing at all but also that same year she wrote a number one for Taeon four seasons um super m i can't stand the rain it's a kenzie song Ugh, i love that song so much um she also wrote the title let's see what other title tracks are on Taeyong here spark mm-hmm. uh exo obsession red velvet psycho kenzie also wrote the super m korean air commercial <laughs> let's go everywhere and she wrote my personal <laughs> backyard song betcha yes betcha also timine want Yes, these are all like these are all just yeah. like and all in one songs. year. Like that's so many great songs all in one year. Yes, but the two solo songs that Kinsey wrote by herself in 2019 were both for Chen. Aww, she wrote "Love Words" and "Shall We," which was which is a great fucking song. Yeah. I love "Shall We." Because it's like a ballad, but it's like 80s. It's so fun. (laughs) Um, And then that brings us to 2020, where we get even more outside of SM because she wrote three songs for the boys, Shake You Down, The Stealer, and Shine Shine. Oh, wow. She wrote The Stealer. Yes. That's such a good song. Um, And I'd also like to point out that as like LDN Noise, they wrote seven songs. There's another person, music collective, group, I truly could not tell. They were just credited as Moonshine, and I don't know if it's a person or if it's a group of people, but they've written 10 songs together, including Peekaboo by Red Velvet and most recently NCT Dream Diggity. So LDN Noise and Moonshine were the outside collaborators that came up the most often. So I thought that was Hmm. worth noting. And yeah, Moonshine wrote the boys, they wrote the boys songs together. As well as Super M1, Monster Plus Infinity. That's Kenzie and Moonshine. Mm -hmm. As well as Infinity and Monster individually. Um, Yeah, she also has an Itzy song this year off of the Not Shy EP called Be In Love. Um, And she wrote a twice B-side on Eyes Wide Open called Believer. Um, she's got a lot of title tracks on on this year too, right? What do I call you, Taeon? That was yep, a title. It sure was. Um, she's got Beckyun's Candy on there. Um, Red Velvet Sulky and Irene Monster. Oh yes, of course. That, oh wow, she's written three songs called Monster. All Kenzie, of the. It's all your. It's fault. all Kenzie's fault. Holy shit. <laughs> Wow, hey. we, we've ranted about that before, specifically against SM. <laughs> SM, why do you keep giving your artists the songs with the same names? And wow, it's Kenzie's fault. Kenzie, get more creative <laughs> with your song titles. This is ridiculous. Three songs for three different artists, all called Monster? That's too much. It's too much. That's too much. It is too much. It is too much. 90s Love, that was a title track, too. Yes, it was. Was was nonstop? I don't know. I don't know NCT well enough to know if that was a title. No, because I think Punch was. Oh, that makes sense. Punch. Yeah, and if this one only got to 164, Mm. that's probably. Punch. (laughs) Knockout. 
not that one. That's shiny. Not <laughs> <NCT>. <laughs> I don't know um, how the NCT song goes. But yeah, then that brings us to this year, 2021, where Kenzie has already written eight songs this year. Damn. Which are, I'll read them. Because yeah, go enough. So this year we've got NCT 127, Gimme Gimme, Shinies, Don't Call Me, Heart Attack, and Code, Becky and All I Got, and Cry for Love. NCT Dream Diggity and EXO's Don't Fight the Feeling, which is wow. the most recent thing on the timeline. So already, again, several title tracks yes. under her belt. That's wild. And Moonshine's on here twice. Uh, they wrote, they seem to work mostly, I think you said, like with the NCT. But we've got to take back everything bad we ever said about Andrew Che because he wrote Heart Attack. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. So, Andrew Che. We apologize. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> thank thank you, you for Queen of New York and Heart and Attack. Heart attack. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I guess I that didn't take as long as I thought, but that was <laughs> that was scanning Kenzie's whole insane discography. Mm-hmm. And I guess just to list all of the number ones that she Do ever it. made for the legacy's sake, Kenzie's number ones are My Name by Boa. Moto by Boa, Show Me Your Love, TVXQ, and Super Junior, O by Girls' Generation, Danger by FX, Overdose by EXO, Monster by EXO, Red Flavor by Red Velvet, Power Up by Red Velvet, and Taeyeon's Four Seasons. And those first four she wrote all by herself. Worth noting. Worth noting. Um, so yeah, I guess, like, I mean, that that's... I guess that's Kenzie in a nutshell. Yeah, which is amazing. I mean, 163 songs, like that's such a beast of a discography. She's got over 20 years of a career, which, you know, when we've been, when we've done previous deep dives of like Boa and Rain, who have, you know, 19 and 20 years, um, or 20 and 19, I should say, respectively, um, we've had to take like two freaking episodes. (laughs) (laughs) So this was sort of a... um, I guess it's not a scuba dive into sure. into Kenzie. A snorkel. Um, yeah, and more of a snorkel, like we did with the Brave Girls. But no, I, I think it's just because this is the kind of thing where it's like, we can't talk about every single song she produced because there's almost 200 of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they span a lot of different genres. And I think that, again, you could tie that back to her golden opportunity where she wasn't really locked into a specific sound and she got to kind of explore and create for herself what she wanted her signatures to be. Yeah. Um, and that must have been so fun for her to have, like, I don't know. She basically had this, like, whole treasure trove of like super talented performers who could bring pretty much whatever Whatever. she wanted to life for her. Um, And she could probably just like write a song even without a certain group in mind and then be like, I want to hear you, you and you sing this song. And then she could like decide from there, like, okay, I really like the way you did it. So I'm going to like rework it in order to work for shiny or like, no, Boa, that's a Boa song. Like she's, I'm going to make it work for her instead. Like there just must've been so much, like I said, like creative freedom that I imagine for a composer. It was truly like, I hope that she had a lot of fun like playing around. And I mean, she still writes for SM. So 
and has clearly had some change in her contract uh, in the last few years. So hopefully she's still feeling that opportunity is as golden as it was when it was first offered offered to her. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. I Yeah, I like it because I think, I just feel like Kenzie's whole discography, again, speaks to the reasons that I like SM. SM. Like, mm -hmm. I know, I, like, I'm not a company stan. Companies are bad. Capitalism is bad. Like, <laughs> I don't, I'm not like, yeah, yeah. SM, crush them. But I, whatever SM entertainment shows to me, the consumer, I like what they put out there. And something about one of the things that they've always put out there is like, we are a team. Yes. That like everyone at SM is on the same team has always felt like extremely apparent. Like in these early SM town, like they're all singing the same song together. They do concerts together. They're all friends. They all know mm -hmm. each other. I see in other groups in different companies who like, they don't know their sunbays at all. Yeah. Like they don't know them. Yeah. There's no relationship. But like everyone at SM seems to be friends. And I feel like Kenzie is part of that because in an MMTG episode, when they were talking about their songs or whatever, Mino just called her Kenzie Nuna. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like they're like, I don't know. All these people are like close and yeah. that she's been around the whole time. I don't know. I think it just like lends to the, to the family teamwork angle of all of it. I, I totally agree. I mean, we rail against Lee Suman all the time. Um, and obviously there are many things about the ways that companies are run that we disagree with and dislike. But yeah, I think there is like a real big collaborative effort in SM and at least in the sense of like, it is like a team. Like, no, you have to, you like have to have pride in the fact that you're at SM and like, you're not just a member of ESPA. You're not just a member of NCT. Like you are an SM idol. Yes. And so like, you see that even in like, like now that they're putting out, you know, reactions and stuff and like, uh, Timine reacts to like ESPA's video or something. And mm -hmm. like, even just in the commentary, you can tell that like, he knows them. Like yeah. he has met them and talked to them and he like can talk talk about specific things that he thinks they do well or whatever. It's like obviously not a stranger of like, Oh, I think they debuted recently. Didn't they? I don't know. Or I've like, never I haven't met them, met them yet or whatever, uh, which you do see at some other the companies. companies. Yeah. And so like, I, I do really like that in SM and I, I think it's fun that they keep people around like this, where like, like we were talking about in the Timine deep dive of like, how he sort of collects these people that he likes to collaborate with and he collaborates with them multiple times. And then to have, you know, a songwriter like Kenzie, who is like the house songwriter and she can sort of like take all of these different groups under her wing, which I'm sure she does in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, like she, it's just, it's just a nice, like warm bonus. Yeah. Of this like, Oh, it seems like there's a real, a real community vibe. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's a real community vibe. Yeah. And yeah, and she's nice. written, she's just written so much great music. And mm -hmm. a lot of it, if you listen to my massive playlist that again is linked, a lot of it has, it all just has that similar warm classical music feeling. Like the melodies are mm -hmm. always great. And the songs are just like, arranged so nicely and I even though like we said we we personally have mixed feelings about Wolf and uh Why So Serious 
And some of the other and some songs. Of the other some, some of the other more I recent guess. songs, I suppose. <laughs> but like for the most part, all of it is just like such good music, whether it's like pop rock or it's like a straight R&B ballad or like her early stuff is, I, I categorized a lot of the songs as just bubblegum because mm-hmm. I think that is a very specific thing and it's a thing that I like about K-pop and it's a thing that I like about SM and Kenzie captured it really well. Yeah, I don't know. Just this music is really good. <laughs> and so to close out this discussion on good music, we will do like we do in a regular deep dive and recommend some songs that might not you might not have heard. Kenzie songs that we think you should hear. Yes, we usually do a B-side recommendation where we talk about songs of an artist that we love that were not title tracks, Um, which is difficult to do with someone like Kenzie because as we've talked about, you know, she writes so many songs that are not title tracks. Mm -hmm. So we decided to pull from songs that were not in the top 10. So these are Kenzie songs that uh, didn't make it into the top 10, but are incredible bops. So do you want to t- give us our first one? I'll go first. Uh, so I wrote them in chronological order. Okay. And so my first one is from 2008. And this is a girl's generation song called Way to Go. And you probably heard this song in our Idols as Advertisers episode because this was a song written for originally for a cell phone commercial and then was put as a full-length song on an album later um and in the sm concert that we watched very recently they performed way to go and i don't know it's just perfect bubblegum pop rock it has those harmonies that just like make my soul feel warm (laughs) and it i don't know it just like makes you feel happy and pumped up and way to go nice i like it Uh, My first one is from, I think they're also in chronological order, but from like later in the discography. And I think that I've recommended this song before, but I can't recommend it enough because it's one of my favorite Chinese songs ever. And it's Rescue. The song is beautiful. And there's like, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just, I love it one of my favorite shiny tracks it's a b-side off of the uh one and one repackage of one of one uh and I, it's great thank you kenzie, thank you, kenzie. <laughs> um my next one was a totally new to me song but i'm so happy that i discovered it this is also a girls generation song but this is from 2009 and it's called girlfriend <laughs> As you can hear, this one caught my ear because it is city pop and it came out in 2009 and people didn't start doing city pop again until 2020. So I just wanted to give Kenzie a pat on the back (laughs) for pulling out an 80s genre earlier than anyone else. She's a trendsetter. I'm sorry it didn't catch on faster, but I see you (laughs) and I appreciate you. (laughs) She was there. She knew it would come back. Yeah. My next... uh, non-top 10, I was going to say B-side, <laughs> but it is a B-side actually, is from XOCBX, uh, their second EP, which was called Blooming Days. The song is called Playdate. This is, oh, I know, I love it. This is the cutest song. I love it. It's like, I 
take you on a play date. And it's so just like fun. The Blooming Days had uh, seven songs and each song was for a different day of the week. And Play Day is the Saturday song. Um, and it's just like a really sweet song about taking someone out on a date, um, on a play date. And it's adorable. It's like the per it, it perfectly captures exactly what they're singing about. And it is yeah. excellent. That whole EP is beautiful. I love XOCDX. <laughs> and I love you, Kenzie. Great work. Great work. Um, my next one, I recommended it in the FX Deep Dive, but I'm going to say it again because I really, really mean it. This is a 2011 FX song called Signal. just perfect disco it's just perfect disco and it has a few laser pew-pews in it to make it modern but laser <laughs> but it's just like you i dare you to not shake your booty to signal i yeah. don't know how you couldn't <laughs> it was it was on my list too it's it's gotta be there it's gotta be but my last recommendation is actually going to be from a non-sm artist <gasps> Because I just thought it would be fun. Yeah. Um, because now she does that. And so I recommend Twice Believer off of the Eyes Wide Open EP. Um, if you have not heard that already, it's very good. Um, That's one of the LDN Noise ones. Yes, it is. I was just looking at that on the on the spreadsheet. So it's also composed by LDN Noise, and they have written some of our favorite EXO songs. Um, It's just a really catchy song. It's like stuck in my head now, just thinking about it. Um, I really loved that whole EP. It has like kind of a I don't know how to describe. I mean, it just had like a very mature vibe, and I thought that this one fits so perfectly. I'm like kind of surprised that it's a Kenzie song, Um, only in the sense of like. I forgot that Kenzie sure. doesn't just write for SM now. So I'm like, oh, but this was one of my favorite songs off of that EP. So, so there of you course go. it was. <laughs> Obviously. Um, so yeah, please check out those songs and the full All the Kenzie songs playlist that I made on YouTube. Um, I'll see. I started trying to recreate it on Spotify, but a lot of the first 10 years are missing from Spotify mm-hmm. because they're just too old. Sure. Um, so maybe I will do that anyway for the Spotify listeners. But if you want the full thing, it is <laughs> in the YouTube playlist. I got all of them in order meticulously. <laughs> um, so have a Kenzie dance party or have a Kenzie ballad party in Pratt. You can sort, look at my sheet and just look at the ballad road. Like you, I'm <laughs> saying the spreadsheet is so well made. It's a masterpiece. You can find any Kenzie song for any mood. <laughs> Whatever you need. I got it all in there. Um, so, yeah, this was a ton of work to, like, look into her career, but I think it was a really fun thing to do, and I feel like I understand both her and SM better now. Mm, um, yeah. And, yeah, it was, like, it was a labor of love yeah. to look into this. So I hope you all enjoyed our first producer dive into Kenzie. Yeah, and we'll be able to cuz as you said at the beginning, there are a few names that we just like come across every once in a while through our K-pop uh research and stuff. So it will be a fun addition um to our show to now be able to go into the different producers and see how they've shaped not just the sound of a particular artist, but maybe the sound of an entire company. Yeah. Great stuff. 
All right, well, with that, we'll be right back with our random game. All right, we are back. And this week, the random number generator gave us a group that is now known as a different thing, but we're going to talk about their original iteration. Yes. And that is Minx. M-I-N-X. Minx was a five-member girl group that debuted under Happy Face Entertainment in 2014, but they disbanded in 2016 and are now Dreamcatcher with two more members. Yes. Yeah, they, the Happy Face Entertainment announced after, like immediately the disbandment and rebrandment was all in the same, uh, in the same announcement that they were going to come back. So fans of Minx didn't have to wait too long, but I'm guessing based on these pictures that the concept of Minx is very different from the concept of Dreamcatcher. So I would be interested to know if any like Minx fans were what they thought of what Dreamcatcher was, but the debut single of Minx was called Why Did You Come to My Home? <laughs> um, and they only have one other EP, um, which is called Love Shake. Uh, and then the very next year, the announcement was made that they would be rebranding. Yeah. So it was a short-lived thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, these pictures are girls drinking milkshakes in colorful tennis shoes. And the yeah. music video that's most popular is Love Shake. Mm-hmm. And they are in the similar oh, summer like out. a milkshake. Yes, a that's love shake. That's why they're shake. drinking milkshakes. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And yeah, it looks like summer beachy girls in shorts. And we all know that Dreamcatcher is now like hard rock vampires, which mm-hmm. is very different. So <laughs> I am intrigued. Yeah. And all of these girls are in Dreamcatcher, yeah. so like it's it's just gonna be so it won't be sad because we we'll know that all these people are That's in Dreamcatcher now and they're okay. And we know that Dreamcatcher is very popular, so we're doing fine. They're fine. It's fine. All right. Well, let's check out a uh, Love Shake by Minx. Um, if you want to cue it up and watch with us, three, two, one, go. All right. Oh, love shake. Oh. Oh, they look like tourists. Yeah. (laughs) A fake street. Okay, they look like they're in, like, New Mexico. Or, oh, I think maybe they're supposed to be in Mexico. I was thinking, I was like, it looks kind of cantina-y. Yeah. And there's cactuses. Cacti, Mm. excuse me. And there's, like, a sign for the beach. They're hot. They're so hot. I mean, this is cutesy as fuck. There's like agile all over these vocals. The cartoon-ishness of the set as well. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh, but close-ups. Close-ups on the hips We've got short shorts. Oh, wow. Shaky, 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 shaky. shaky. <laughs> wow, those shorts are cheeky. That was a lot of butt cheek coming out of that short. They all have great eye sparkle makeup. They do. Oh, their eyes look so sparkly. Okay, now we're at the beach. We've got our little rash guards on. <laughs> mm. 
Oh my God, I love this extremely fake beach. Yes, I was just gonna <laughs> say, I do really like that the beach is just such a set. They're wearing like kind of, not. they're not in full bikinis. They're in like little, like surfer girl outfits. Yeah, I'm so, this is just so, so different from Dreamcatcher so that different I'm from Dreamcatcher. curious what they all think. Like, yes. did they all love doing this and then have to be and now they have to do of the vampire catcher. concept? Or was this not them and they didn't love it? Yeah. There's like butt smacking yes, in this. Yes, there is. And the, the choreo is truly, they're just like making hearts in the air and pointing. And, and like, they just like step touch. When we saw touch. Dreamcatcher, they were like they doing go hard. And shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. And they get like props and the like magic appearing yes, their stick, stick and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and this is not that at no, all. No, not at all. This is like step touching and booty shaking. There's like no real choreo in this. I honestly am a little shocked by how short these shorts are. No safety shorts in this video. Nope. Yeah, that's what I can't get over is like, I'm dying to know what the girls think about these concepts that they're given. But I mean, I guess that the groups really don't get a choice. Yeah. And it's, it's only when groups are around for a super long time that they start getting yeah. cheeky about or being or saying out loud in interviews like, oh, I fought the company about the title track. Yeah. Like yeah, Monster yeah, yeah. X was saying that about Gambler, mm -hmm. that they were like, the company wanted us to do something else and we fought them. Yeah. And it was like, oh. But they can do that now <laughs> because, you know, yeah. people care and will support that. Sure. But a group like this, no, they definitely wouldn't have the option, so... Yeah, I mean, I hope that they're having more fun now that they're Dreamcatcher. In my opinion, I think Dreamcatcher is way more fun. Yes. And like, not <laughs> that there was, was anything wrong with this, but it's not interesting. No, it's not interesting at all. And it's it's not unique. And it's it's just not, it's boring. It's and their new boring. concept is interesting. Yeah. And nobody's it doing it like them. I saw it's Pink Fantasy is trying. Mm. But I mean, I guess that rabbit thing didn't, it work, didn't work, work out. out. It didn't work out. But they have a new song out and it's very like strobe light mm. rock guitar. And I was like, excuse you, someone else is already doing that. Yeah. Tisk well, tisk. Well, but good for you, Dreamcatcher. Now you're trendsetters. Yeah. So hey. Now you're unique <laughs> on a level all your own. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Like That's nobody great. does it like Dreamcatcher. No. All right, it's weekly recommendation time. <gasps> and I don't know what I'm going to recommend. 17, I think, is what I have to recommend. Oh, sure. Like, what is, like, what is new in my that, life? That's the and latest I think that's thing the I bought as well. Yeah. I haven't listened to the Ace EP yet. It's I've not been... out. They put the music video oh, out early, but the okay. album isn't even out yet. Okay, then so I don't feel bad about it don't anymore. Don't feel bad about it. You didn't miss it. Um, yeah, the on 17 is the only new thing I've been listening to. Um, I mean, I really like the EP. It's lovely. Uh, the title track is called Ready to Love. And I will say, with the exception of the hip-hop unit track, <laughs> uh, it's great. I love it. 
Um, hip hop unit is usually my least favorite of the unit songs. And this one, wow, really they pushed, they pushed me. I didn't even, I usually, I'm a, I buy the whole album. Why not just press the button at the top of the sure. album music. But this time I went song by song. Cause I didn't want that one. Why didn't you just buy it and then delete it? That's what Be- I did. I just, I couldn't really do it. <laughs> I was like, no, I, I did have to listen. I don't I, even want you to have a dollar 33 for this. I can't you know let what? it happen. They don't deserve a dollar 33 <laughs> for that song. I'm sorry, 17, you know, I love you, but that song is garbage. Like I, the first time that song played, I like, I stopped it. I didn't listen to it all the way. I tried and I was like, no. And I literally said, are we serious? Like, is this a joke? Is this the best you could do? I don't believe you. And then because I felt so bad about it, I was like, you know what? I have to make myself listen to it at least once. Like it's the principle of the thing. I have to make it all the way through. And guys, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that at the end of those like 33 minutes and 26 seconds or whatever the fuck, I had a headache. I had a headache. That song is not good. A stuff for us. However, <laughs> the other unit songs, yes, are fantastic. And I honestly have to say, like, maybe that's another reason that I was like so disappointed in the hip hop unit song because all four of them have proven what wonderful singers they are. Yeah, that's and true. they have made great other tracks. So it was like, it felt like a regression mm. of of their music. Like that kind of seemed like, I don't know. It seemed like a, like a prequel to something like Chili. You know what I mm. mean? And like, but like a worse version, obviously, because I like Chili and yeah. I don't like this song. But it's, it was just like in comparison, like the performance unit song, which is called Wave, and the vocal team unit song, which is called Same Dream, Same Mind, Same Night, those, I think, are two of the best songs that those They've units have ever, ever put out. They're so They're good. They're so <laughs> good. They're so good. And so then in comparison, I was like, this really falls. Like, this is a bummer to see um, when you see, like, how great the other twos are. But since this is recommendations, I'll stop shitting on that song. <laughs> uh, and so I will recommend the performance unit song, which is called Wave. Uh, I've talked, the performance unit songs are usually some of my favorites off of their EPs and I've talked about them before because they have a plot, mm-hmm. like the plot of Lily Abai and Moonwalker and 24 seven, like they all fit together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this one fits into the plot because based on the lyrics, like it, the meta, the main metaphor is like a wave in the ocean. But um, the waves are caused by the moon. This is true. The waves are caused by mm. the moon and there are some lines about time and mm. uh, clocks and time is a big motif, especially in the choreography for their songs. Sure. So I am curious if maybe the, the choreo will further link it into the universe that they've already established. But it's just really great. I feel like it is the next, it is like the next logical step for that team to make in their like compositions. Um, like when you listen to all of their like solo songs, especially over the like last few releases, I think you can really see the like progression. Um, and I just, I just think it's beautiful. They sound amazing. Like 
uh, Hoshi starts it off and his his voice is really grown, but all four of them have like Dino and June and the eight too. Like you can really hear how far they've come in their vocals. I think that can be said of all 13 members of mm-hmm. 17. You can really hear it in this album, how much they've grown. Um, but I, I love wave. It's so good. Yeah. I'll piggyback off that and make my recommendation. The next song, which is the vocal unit song, same dream, same mind, same night. Um, the first time I heard it, I about fell out of my chair. Me too. I thought we were going to have a 2 p.m. fuck jam <laughs> and I, I fell over. I really did. Cause it has that extremely, extremely nineties boys to men, Luther Vandross, like step touch R and B ballad, uh, yeah. drums when it starts. When I was um, making our 2 p.m. fuck jam playlist <laughs> and I literally just like I went through 2 p.m.'s discography, just skip listening to the first five seconds. <laughs> and it was like this. This would be a fuck like sure. based on it. the first five seconds alone. It meets all the 2 p.m. fuck jam criteria. And I was a feared. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is so good. It's, oh, it's so beautiful. good. It's really capturing that really perfect cheesy 90s wedding music Mm -hmm. like there's no other way to describe (laughs) it but it's like a very specific sound and they are nailing it and every like oh my god dk and song kwan just freaking go like the runs that both of them pull off in that song are wild and it's just so good. Every time it starts, I start it over. It's like four <laughs> minutes long. And I'm always, and sometimes I'll be listening to it and I'm like a minute and a half in and I'm like, I wasn't listening hard enough and I have to go back and start it over again because it really has to be appreciated at every moment. You gotta be like paying full yes. attention. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. And it is not a fuck jam. It is a beautiful no, slow jam. No, it's just jam. a beautiful slow um, jam. But it is truly gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. And yeah, I. it's interesting. We were talking in our group chat, and I wonder if any other carrots also have glommed onto this hypothesis that perhaps Ready to Love was not the intended title track mm. or the title track that any of them wanted to put out. Um or maybe this was on the Discord. Maybe we weren't talking about it. In the I was going to say, was. we did not Wait. talk about this in the hmm. group chat. Well, I saw it either way that like the none of the boys have really been like hyping up Ready to Love and they all have been talking about Heaven's Cloud and that everybody's kind of been like talking about Heaven's mm. Cloud and haven't been like pushing Ready to Love. So people are thinking that it's possible that Ready to Love was made the title track at a la- at, like a last oh, minute decision. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I love Heaven's Cloud. I think it's it's great. And I, I actually kind of would argue that Heaven's Cloud would have been a more interesting title. And because it's with the visuals and the teaser, like all the things uh-huh. they seem to be going with the vibe of this album. I feel like Heaven's Cloud fits that more. Yeah. And I also think Heaven's Cloud is a more unique song. Mm-hmm. I think that Ready to Love, you could definitely compare it more easily to other things that are currently out on the K-pop landscape. And Heaven's Cloud is a different kind of track. And I think it has a much more unique 17 sound to it for sure. So that's interesting. Um, The B-side that they promoted, they only did one uh, music show so far. Yes, because because they, unfortunately, a a staff member of theirs is positive with coronavirus. So all of 17 has to quarantine until the 29th. 
Yeah. And the statement from Pilatus seemed like once they're allowed out that they will go on music shows and that the whole promotion will just have to happen Be late. postponed. Mm. So hopefully we will eventually get our stuff. But right now, 17 is locked in their house. And they can't go nowhere. <sighs> Poor boys. <laughs> um, but they did go on one. And mm-hmm. so there is a performance of Ready to Love. And the B-side they did is called Anyone, um, which is really fun. I love it. It has like such a great driving bass. But you will notice, I'm actually, maybe it's maybe it's for the best that they took this break. Because my sweet Mingao, the age. Yeah, he hurt. He hurt his ankle during, he hurt his um his instep. Instep and his ankle during rehearsals. And so he had been performing an abridged version of the choreo. He like doesn't do all of the he like I mean, Ready to Love is kind of broken up into like smaller groups, but the anyone part they do like full chore the full group for the choruses, and he only does the last one with them, so you'll kinda like see him run off or whatever. Um so I guess when they come back he'll be able to do the full thing. Yeah. Hopefully, that'd be nice. He'll actually, and honestly, for as a V8 bias, that makes me feel better (laughs) because I knew I was like, I know he wants to promote because like the statement from Pledis was like, he didn't want to sit out. So (laughs) we're making it. So we sent him to the doctor to get cleared. And so now I'm like, well, good. Sit down, (laughs) put your foot up (laughs) and don't injure yourself. So your foot is literally your livelihood. It's all you have, Mingo. You cannot B-boy without <laughs> your feet. So sit down. Don't get up. <laughs> Until it's all healed. Yes. So, um, yeah, 17. Check out the album, and then we can watch 17 stages in a few weeks when they come back, I guess. Yeah. And if you disagree and you think Game Boy is a good song, I want to hear why. Do you really <laughs> do you you know you, that? That's like, do you? Does no, anyone I think this song is really want to hear that? You're do right. You I, really don't. I, I, actually, I don't. I actually I don't. I don't. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. It. If you, if I guess what I was really thinking is like, if you disagree and you think Game Boy is a good song, why? What's mm. wrong with you? <laughs> What are you, deaf? Wow, spicy, <laughs> spicy, spicy. Oh, boy. Wait, I have... No, I'll, everyone's entitled to their opinions, but that's mine. That's yours. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Um, I just have, like, one quick other recommendation that I saw today, and it made my whole day. I thought it was so sweet. It's a Hello82 video, and it's called What If Your Bias Came To You Wrapped With A Ribbon? And it's Bam Bam surprising five of his fans. They think they're just getting to watch his music video early. And he like literally crawls on the floor and sneaks up behind them. And they're like, I'm just so proud of him. And he's like, I'm proud of you too. And they're like, Scream. And like, oh, so it was so funny. And it like made me all like nervous and excited. And it was just like a good, it was just a good time. So That's if you want to so watch cute. that, I thought it was really fun. That's so fun. Oh, 17 also went on that ODG with the little oh kids. Oh my god, yes, I need to they watch did, that too. Um, how to how to do a signature. That's what oh, the cute. 17 boys were teaching the boy, the little kids. I also really need to watch 17 on Amazing Saturday because I heard it was yes. a particularly funny episode. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Hoshi got to dance with Key, got to do the yes. everybody dance and be a successful fan. And Boo was like singing, like <laughs> doing all the runs behind them. Hoshi is so a great. huge shawl, so we always give him props for being a successful fan. Yes. Um, and Key did an adorable like ending fairy where he promoted the ready to love for them. It was very cute. I love it. I love it. 
have it. Um, all right. Well, that is it for this week. Um, if you would like to get into contact with us, we can be found at AMA K-pop pod and all the places AMA K-pop pod at gmail.com. Um, you can leave us a voicemail one eight one AMA K-pop five and shout out to the XOL who left us a very sweet voicemail the other day. Made my day. (laughs) Also, uh, 2 p.m. is coming back on Monday. Yes. So if you are a hottest who is coming out from underneath your rock, please call us and scream at us because yeah. we will be doing a 2 p.m. comeback special episode. And it's going to have fun surprises yeah. and lots of feelings. And, and so. screaming. And so call in, leave us a voicemail, watch whatever the comeback is. Just call us before Tuesday, June 29th. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yes. Yes. Um, we also have a P.O. box if you want to send us a letter or a yes. mail. P.O. box 26096, Los Angeles, California, 90026. And it's almost time for KPSN Fest 21, gang. Woo! If you do not have your tickets, you have to get them now. You have to because we want to see you there Two full days, July 10th and 11th, us plus more than 20 other Hallyu podcasts will be doing live yes. shows for two whole days. Proceeds so go fun. to charity. Um, there will be so many opportunities to get together and do like little meets and games even outside of the scheduled events. But the scheduled events, like the agenda is jam-packed. So there is something for everyone solo.to slash kpsn fun for all the links all the tickets all the information you can see the whole schedule and everybody who will be there we will be doing a second part of our deep dive into the year 2001 and since we'll be on video i will be making a fun visual presentation to go along with the episode (laughs) for extra supplemental joy um and i'm very excited about it so it's gonna be a great time And until then, like we said, next week we will be back to whatever ghosts of us still exist next Wednesday to talk about 2 (laughs) p.m. Because like we said, we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to react. Young Sarah is so fluffy. It's so fluffy. (gasps) For why? (laughs) I can't deal. And they're giving us unit teasers. We got unit teasers today. They're just like pairing them up in random pairings. I don't know, oh God. <laughs> I don't know what we're in for and I don't know how my body's gonna react to it, but we're strapping in. We're strapping in. So come back next week for that. Uh, thank you all as always for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Jongyan, you're our inspiration. <laughs> <laughs>